Have you ever gone and been a part of an initiation ceremony or a rite of passage? Now, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about this. Maybe there was something that you did when you were younger. Maybe something that, well, we're not wanting to embarrass you, so you, know, you might need to um, edit what stories you tell, um, especially you, Terry, I know about your youth. Um, but uh, as far as if there's a, an initiation ceremony or something like that, a rite of passage that you participated in, um, you can see on the screen, this is the, the Sar tribe. In, on Pentecost Island in Vanuatu that um, through over a couple of months in the year, all the men to show how, how tough they are, how, how strong they are, what good men they should be uh, to marry, that sort of stuff, they do this thing called land diving and from that has come um, the, the whole thing of bungee jumping. And so a New Zealander went and saw them doing this land diving and then thought, hey, that looks like a great idea. Um, I'm not sure why, but, um, but uh, yeah, ended up taking it to New Zealand and uh, invented bungee jumping from that. Uh, so that's a, a pretty interesting uh, initiation rite or a rite of passage. Often we consider these things as being uncivilised, but the desire that we seek as humans to mark significant occasions is almost hardwired into our DNA. Sometimes they can be crazy things, like swallowing a live goldfish. Some cultures have, put their men, uh, have their men uh, put their hand into a glove full of um, slightly anaesthetised um, uh, bull ants, but then they, spring, they wake up and this person's got their hand in a glove full of bull, bull ants and these bull ants, their stings are about 10 times um, stronger, more powerful, more, um, more hurty uh, than a wasp. And the crazy thing is that they not only do that once, but they go back and do that again. You would think yeah, they would learn from that the first time, but you know, this is once again a, a mark of how, how strong the man is to do that. Schoolies Week is a significant way that Australian teens mark their transition from being high school students. But what about you? Has there been an initiation or a rite of passage that you have participated in um, at some stage in your life that you'd like to tell us about, something that happened for you or that you willingly participated in? Um, I'll just grab the mic. So, anyone wanting to share a, a, a rite of passage or some form of initiation that they went through? Yep, Eunice. As a leader of a young girls group, we had the opportunity to initiate the newcomers yep. to our club. So we blindfolded them, we told them a story, and as we were telling them the story, we had to get them to walk along what we told them. They were walking on along a very narrow bridge and they had to walk with one foot in front of the other. And they would be aware that there would also be a lot of mosquitoes and all sorts of other insects that would make them most uncomfortable. So they did it, they listened to us, they followed exactly what we asked them to do. And when they finished, we took off their blindfolds and the room was just normal. Yep. There was no bridge, there were no mosquitoes, but they believed us. Yep. Yeah, wow. It's amazing the power of suggestive thinking and, and that sort of stuff. So, others that have been a part of or um, uh, right to passage or initiation things that have happened? Yep, Joe? Years ago, when I was an apprentice to uh, 
engineering, uh, the initiation was that the apprentices got uh, grabbed, had a bag put over their heads, and they got dunked head first into a great tub of a, a drum of water. Oh, okay. Held there for a while. Wasn't very nice. No. <laughs> and, and that's one of the things. And, and you know, we, we know about workplace bullying and, and those sorts of things that we recognise that they can be, you know, we're not wanting to say, hey, these are the things that we ought to celebrate, but we recognise that there's these sorts of things that have happened in people's lives before. So those sorts of things. Or, you know, the, the school student that um, is taken to the toilets and their heads flushed in the toilets and those sorts of things to be initiated into the group or whatever it might be. So there can be some crazy and some quite hurtful things that happen in people's lives as a result of that. Anyone else as far as a rite of passage um, or some form of initiation that they've been through? Yep. Think so, since I dobbed you in earlier, yeah, Terry. Yeah. No, it's not that one, Lynn. No. Um, <laughs> I'm... I went to Box Hill Boys High School, which is out now co-ed, which is probably a great thing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, most of us, or my age, who went to state schools, you first form and you got picked up by the third and fourth formers and had your head dunked, if you're lucky, under the taps, the water yep. taps, but if you're unlucky, in the toilet. Mm. Yep. You were unlucky. Oh. <laughs> yep. And, and there's those sorts of things that happen. My guess is that, um, you know, for, for a number of us, um, there's different things that we may not even be aware of are a form of initiation or a rite of passage. Here's one of mine. Um, so, uh, I don't recall anything really outlandish happening for me, but there have been a few rites of passages or ceremonies that I've been a part of. Graduation ceremony. So, when you graduate from doing studies and being able to move the tassel on your mortar from one side to the other is a right of passion. I, I am now allowed to do that because I have graduated. Um, and so that can be a right of um, a passage. Being ordained twice. Um, commissioning services, those sorts of things are all things that mark an occasion that give a right of passage or a point of significance in a person's life. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to, to switch them on or open them up to Luke chapter 3, as we continue to look at our snapshots from the life of Jesus. And as we discovered last week, John had been rattling the cages of uh, those who lived in Israel, calling them to repent of their sins. Now, repenting of sins is a recognition that we all have these splotches, we have these stains on our life when we sin and when we do things wrong. And no matter how hard we try, we can't get ourselves free of these marks. Rather than running um, from our pure God, we instead need to run to our God and to ask His forgiveness and cleansing and accepting that this can only come through the Messiah, God's rescuer who makes us clean and restores our broken relationship with our Creator God. So, for centuries, within the Jewish faith and within other cultures around the Hebrew nation, water ceremonies were used as a form of initiation, a form of symbolising a rite of passage. And thanks, John, for your reading of the account of 2 Kings chapter 5, which records Naaman participating in a ceremony to bring healing to his body through a cleansing, through a washing ceremony. 
It also brought about a change of faith for Naaman, who came to realise that Yahweh is the one and only true God. And there's more of that to that story if you wanted to take some time to read it later in 2 Kings chapter 5. So what comes to mind when you think of baptism? Hopefully not this video capturing a baptism ceremony in Georgia, which is located between Turkey and Russia. He must have been getting tired, he's going a bit slower this time. <laughs> yeah, bigger baby, yeah. Anything? Oh, you know, what sort of therapy would a child need after a baptism like that? And they do it three times for baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so you're thinking, whoa, that's, you know, head spin. Oh, yeah, mother's face, the baby's face, thinking, what just happened to me there? Um, for those that are listening on podcast, we'll try and put a clip of that on our Facebook page if you wanted to see it there. All four um, Gospels, all four perspectives of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, give their accounts of the baptism of Jesus. And we might just have the lights up a, a smidge. Yeah, thanks Stephen. Um, I'm, my eyesight's getting old and, you know... Yeah. Um, so, Luke chapter 3, uh, verse 23 tells us that Jesus was about 30 years of age when he travelled from Nazareth to the Jordan River. And if you were to uh, go from Nazareth to the Jordan River, then you'd catch the 412 and the 354 buses and it, it would take you around an hour and cost you somewhere between 30 to $40 to travel the 34 kilometres from Nazareth to the Jordan River. But for Jesus... He didn't have buses in his day. So it was a couple of days journey that he would make from the Jordan River. So you can see, you might be able to see um, just up near the little body of water at the top, which is the Sea of Galilee, across to the left and down a little bit, you've got a little pin thing that says Nazareth. Then you've got the Jordan River and then down the bottom here, you've got the Dead Sea and Jerusalem. Um, so let's read from Luke chapter 3 verse 21. And I'll include a couple of little snapshots from some of the other gospel accounts as well. So Luke chapter 3, verse 21, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. One day, when the crowds were being baptised, Jesus himself was baptised. Now, Matthew's account goes into a little bit more detail, tells us that John tries to switch roles with Jesus. John declares to Jesus that he should be the one being baptised by Jesus not the other way around, not John baptising Jesus. But Jesus says in Matthew, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John baptises Jesus and Jesus, as he's coming up out of the water, we continue to read from Luke chapter 3 verse 21. As he was praying, the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And the voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, 
you bring me great joy. Now, all this kind of begs a question, doesn't it? Why did Jesus get baptised? It was not because Jesus sinned and needed to be repentant and to turn to God, because we know that Jesus was without sin. So, if he's getting baptised by John, why on earth is he doing that? Well, Jesus' baptism demonstrates a few different things. First of all, it demonstrates that he has a choice. Jesus exercised free will. He was not just some messianic robot that had no choice, no say in what he did. Jesus chose to be baptised. He didn't need to, he chose to. John pushed back at Jesus, saying it was more appropriate for John to be baptised by Jesus than the other way around. But Jesus chose to be baptised. Jesus' baptism also demonstrates his act of obedience. Matthew, as we heard before, records that Jesus saw that this was something from God that God God the Father wanted him to do. For this reason, Jesus demonstrated that he wanted to be obedient to the will of the Father. While John John the baptizer didn't fully understand and appreciate this, um, when Jesus explained it to John, that this was something that God the Father wanted, both were obedient to God's will. Jesus demonstrates in his baptism obedience. Jesus also demonstrates in his baptism humility. Another aspect of the interaction between Jesus and John was uh, that in every way, Jesus is John's superior. As God the Son, Jesus pre-existed before John was even conceived and born. Through God, um, the Son, all of creation was spoken into existence. Jesus has superior understanding of God's will and is more powerful than John. In every way known, Jesus is superior to John. But Jesus is also, in humility, places himself humbly under John's ministry, under John's teaching and is baptised by John. A wonderful act of humility. Remember that we saw last week that John did not believe he was worthy to untie Jesus' sandals, yet here we see Jesus flip ministry on its head and places himself under John's ministry. Jesus demonstrates through baptism great humility. Jesus' baptism also demonstrates an honour a desire to honour John and John's teaching. Rather than pushing John aside and saying, thanks cousin, you know, you've done well, but I'll take it from here. Jesus, in the very act of being baptised by John, validates, endorses, supports, honours John's teaching, honours John as a person, as a faithful servant of God the Father. For all the times that John could have been ridiculed as some hippie, camel hair wearing, locust eating, dunking disciples um, person, for all those times that John may have been attacked for when people felt uncomfortable by his teaching, with John's challenging um, call for people to turn from their sinful behaviour and to get right with God, and to display their recognition of their stuff-ups, of their things that they've gotten wrong, by getting baptised, for the times that John may have wanted to withdraw back into the wilderness, 
Jesus demonstrated to John in his baptism that John was doing the right thing. Jesus wanted to honour John for a ministry well done. Jesus was also not the last person that John baptised. John baptised, in John's Gospel, not John the baptizer, um, but John um, the disciple, John's Gospel, um, we record in uh, John chapter 3, verse 23, that John the baptizer continues to call for people, uh, call people to repent of their sins and to turn to God. And, and so, even after Jesus has started his ministry, John continues to baptize people, calling them to repent of their sins, and then he also directed them, now you need to follow Jesus. You need to follow him. Jesus, in being baptized by John, demonstrates choice. He demonstrates obedience. He demonstrates humility and he honors John and his message. <coughs> then in Luke chapter, uh, then in verse 21 of Luke 3, we read that Jesus, coming up out of the water, was praying. He was talking with God the Father. And God the Father and God the Holy Spirit celebrate together this wonderful occasion. God the Holy Spirit descends on God the Son, taking the form of a dove. And the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. And God the Father then speaks into this very moment and says to Jesus with echoes from Psalm chapter 2 verse 7 and Isaiah chapter 42 verse 1, You are my dearly loved son. You bring me great joy. In today's language, with passion, with pride, it would be something like, that's my boy. That's my boy. In what seems like a world away, we can forget that Jesus was both fully God and fully human. And in Jesus' life, we discover a life worthwhile following. Jesus is the perfect example of a life well lived. You see, we too have free will. We have the freedom to choose. Our Creator God longs for us to make good choices that create opportunities rather than stifle it. God did not create us as robots, but gives us the freedom to choose to do good, to be good. God longs for us to make good choices in our life. Way back in Deuteronomy, Moses was, um, paints this, he paints this powerful picture of choice in Deuteronomy chapter 28 through to 30. And he sums it up with this appeal for God's people to make good choices. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 19 to 20 and it says this, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life, that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Long, well long before George Michael and Wham plastered it on a t-shirt, Moses called God's people 
to choose life. In the act of baptism, we dramatise, we demonstrate in a powerful and a public way that we are choosing to follow Jesus. We are saying that we're choosing to turn our back on living for ourselves. Rather than running from God and trying to take care of our sins, our splotches, our stains, ourselves, we recognise that we need God and His cleansing power of Jesus in our life. Following Jesus also calls us to demonstrate obedience. Just as Jesus was obedient, we experience the most out of life when we obey God's ways and follow God's heart. Obedience is not necessarily easy. If it were, everyone would be obedient, wouldn't they? Obedience doesn't mean that you're going to be rich on earth or have some sort of a sports model or or some good-looking partner and live a long life. Obedience can be gritty and hard, but it is always, obedience is always the best way to stick close to God. In baptism, we declare that we want to, it's the desire of our heart to be obedient to Jesus who calls us to make disciples, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That our life, our choice, is in a desire to be obedient to God and and to reflect the values of the kingdom. Following Jesus also calls us to to demonstrate humility. Humility isn't about going around in rags and living in some sort of a corrugated iron hut. But humility keeps us grounded. It seeks the best in others and recognises that you and I, we both need others and are better because of community and connection. Humility recognises that our achievements are rarely, if ever, all our own. In baptism, we take the posture of humility, recognising that we can't do this stuff of life on our own, that the best life is a God-led life and that we choose, we, we need to follow Jesus to have the best life, to have life to the full. That's why following Jesus is very naturally a way that we are called to demonstrate our honour of Him. Because in humility, you see how your life is better because of others and you, need your, and you have this need for others and community. Because in humility, you not only, uh, instead of being busy scrambling to get to the top yourself, you have time to honour others and to lift them up. In baptism, we honour Jesus We acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God and it's our desire to follow Him and to honour and to worship Him. Not just in the songs that we sing, but in the way we treat our family, the way we treat our friends, in the way we complete our tax return, in the way we treat others who get on our nerves. On Easter Sunday, on the 12th of April, we'll be providing an opportunity for people, once again, to get baptised. If you've ever considered being baptised, then can I encourage you to have a chat to, a, to Alethea, maybe to Samantha, maybe to myself, and, and we would love to talk to you some more about what it means to be baptised. In baptism, we freely choose to follow 
and obey Jesus in humility. We acknowledge Jesus as God and dedicate our life to honouring God the Father. And when we live out our baptism as followers of Jesus, we can look forward to God the Father saying as an echo, as it were, of Matthew 25, well done, good and faithful servant. As we bring God great joy, or in today's language, with passion, with pride, may God say to us something like, that's my boy, that's my girl, that's my child. Let me pray. Jesus, we, we thank you. We thank you for the beautiful example that you set before us. God the Son, pre-existing before all creation, spoke life and the world and all that we have before us into existence. And yet you came and you humbly walked this earth. You were obedient. You chose to be obedient to God the Father. You sought to humble yourself, you, you honoured others. Lord, help us to, to be people that, that long to follow your example of what it means to live a life well lived, a good life. Holy Spirit, as we spend time in this moment, would you speak to us deep to deep? If there's things that we need to be getting right with you, if we've forgotten some of these these claims of baptism, would you remind us afresh of those? Holy Spirit, if there are those here today that haven't been baptised and that you would want them to be baptised, would you just touch their life, even at this time, that they might seek to be obedient to your call, not my call, your call, for them to follow Jesus in this way. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So how do we respond today? Well, there's a couple of things that I've got as questions um, on the, the slide and I'm not sure what's going on with that next slide. Mm. Okay, do we have the last slide there? No, that's it. Okay. Well, you, you've all got an eidetic memory, which is great because you're going to need it just for a few seconds. Um, I invite you to... Go, to I ask you, or I would like you to invite God to speak to you about being baptised. If you haven't been baptised before, then I, I encourage you to invite God to say, okay, God, is this something that you would like me to do? Offer God your choices, your obedience, your humility. We might just go back to that previous slide. That might be a bit more helpful. Yeah, good one. Um, your choices, your obedience, your humility your honour as you seek to follow Jesus' example. You might want to write a prayer or a response to think, what might it mean for you to hear from God? That's my boy. That's my girl. That's my child. What would that mean for you if you were to hear God say that to you? And spend some time just reflecting on that. We're going to have some music played, the response cards, hopefully you've gotten one of those and I invite you to take some time to, um, to spend just uh, as the music, as you listen to the music being played, to respond to the things that God might be saying to you today and once again during the final song, those response cards will be collected along with our offering as well. 
God bless you.